0: Hi, I'm Kit Krugman, and I'm the Head of Organization and Culture Design at Co-Collective, and also the um, recently former Global Executive Director of WIN, Women in Innovation. I think tomorrow will be even more deeply interconnected than it already is.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Live from Tomorrow podcast. I am your host, Matt Hooper. Each week, we weave together guest interviews with comedic segments to bring tomorrow vividly to life, offering a bold, humorous perspective on what's next across business, technology, politics, and entertainment. And on today's episode, we- What are you doing? I'm just testing the sound on the laptop, doing the intro to check if- Okay,
2: honey, I'm fine with you using as much of our life as you want for the podcast, but I don't know if you need to be doing your whole shtick right now. We want to make a good impression. We want to-
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm totally with you, Sally. We want to prove that we are a safe and stable home. Exactly.
2: You know, Audra said she admired what we were doing and she's also been thinking about adopting. So...
1: That's awesome. And the process is so streamlined now that it's all online.
2: Okay. Are you ready? Are you? Ready as I'll ever be. Uh, what's today's date again?
1: October 8th, 2020. Uh, but time means nothing anymore. It hasn't in months.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. If you're a part of the beta program, click yes
3: and begin. Yes?
1: Hello. Oh, wow. Pretty background. Who's
3: talking? A bot? Welcome to Kindness Requires Effective Parental Liberation, Awareness, Comfort, and Help, or Kreplach.
1: What'd you say? Kreplach? Like the dumpling?
3: This beta program will help children of any age adopt parents with just the sort of political beliefs you need most to study you through the horrors of modern life. You are Sally Skalski, Redbrook, Connecticut. I'm a lawyer and an entrepreneur. And
1: Matt Hooper, Redbrook, Connecticut. I'm, uh, I guess I'd say I'm an entrepreneur. I host a podcast, and it used to be a live show, you know, back when people could still congregate in theaters.
3: Is that correct? Oh, my God.
2: You said host a podcast? For a living you said that?
1: I just, I wanted to be honest. Also, uh, computer, we moved up here last year, but before that we were New Yorkers, so, you know... There's a level of sophistication here. Please stop.
3: Now, according to the forms you filled out in advance of your visit, you're looking for like-minded and progressive parents. Is that correct? Yes. After the last call
2: I had with my mom, I thought, this is it, you know? I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to talk to her again. We've never really seen eye to eye, but this past year has been the absolute breaking point. Matt and I got married last fall.
1: Before COVID. I mean, just for a contextualization. Yeah, everyone
3: knows when COVID started, honey.
1: But COVID's a big part of your recent disagreements with Walter and Muriel. Those are her parents.
3: All right, That sounds difficult.
2: It is. They left their home in West Virginia in the spring, and they've been living out of their van. Okay, they're storming state capitals and ski masks and demanding their quote-unquote liberty from medicine. <laughs> you
1: should have heard my father-in-law. Sally, this is all a big hoax, but don't worry. Your mother and I are taking every precaution. We are terrified of hoaxes. Not,
3: okay, my dad sounds nothing like that impression. He just did So, So you are in need of parents who prioritize medicine, science, and facts. Is that correct?
1: Boom. Pretty much.
3: All right, one moment while I prepare your options.
1: This is pretty cool, huh? New algorithmically targeted parents?
2: Yeah. Yes, yeah, we should be, this should be good.
3: We're doing the right thing. Thank you for enrolling in Kreplach Beta. We are devoted to connecting you with the right sort of aging adults. Baby boomers for whom Cracker Barrels are threatening an alien, who want to sip some chamomile tea while they listen to Steely Dan, and who are looking to parent adult millennials.
1: This is great. This is a helpful commercial.
3: Folks like Richard from Tenafly.
1: You know,
4: I didn't have children of my own, but I have the temperament of someone who's bitter about not having grandkids yet. Or Sheila from New Rochelle. All I'm looking for is someone to worry with. Oh, and at night, I'd like to yell things like this at the TV. Whatever happened to norms? Is this still America? What about our norms, people?
3: Hey, I
1: like her. I like Sheila. Testimonials always make me think I'm making the right decision.
3: If you're feeling disconnected from your parents due to our fractured cultural and political moment, well, you're not alone. Sign up for the Kreplach beta program now and get free copies of Rachel Maddow's 2019 book, Blowout, as well as James Taylor's audio memoir, *Breakshot*. And don't worry, we'll help your new parents figure out how to download Mr. Taylor's work.
4: Good, because I don't know how to... A-
3: audible. I don't know how to
4: get the thing I might listen to.
3: Oh, we've got you covered, Sheila. Now, let's find you a home. Matt, are we
2: we really doing this? Are we really gonna adopt an aging progressive boomer?
1: I think so. Should we frame some Randy Rainbow posters? Put them in the guest bedroom?
2: (laughs) I think they'd like that. I think that would make them
4: feel like they're... Home. Home. Hey, oh, sorry, are you guys still in your consultation? No, it's okay, what's going on Bowens? Look, you know how grateful I am to be able to stay here. I know you were supposed to be on your honeymoon right now, not quarantining with me just because my husband's stuck in Stockholm, my lease is up in New York, and exposition, exposition, exposition.
2: Oh, don't worry about it, Bowens. I'm happy we moved up to Connecticut, where we could afford a little more space and offer it to an old friend like you. An exposition, exposition, exposition.
4: But you did tell me to let you know as soon as there was ever an emergency, and, um... Sally, your parents have called twelve times this afternoon. Ugh.
2: What well, I couldn't be enrolling in the Kreploch Beta program at a better time.
1: Uh we'll come back out in a little while, Bowens. Thank you, my friend.
3: Sorry to keep you waiting. We are still searching for your ideal progressive and thoughtful parents. Please stand by.
1: Do you do you maybe want to call them back?
3: Not yet. I need to get
2: through this first.
1: Okay. It's just... It's just what? One day, we're going to be out of the woods here. We're going to be interacting with one another again. Going back to our relatives' houses, to the office.
2: Not if I can help it. I like working from home.
1: Okay, then I'll go back to the office and you don't have to. My point is, if you want to confront your family about something, you kind of just have to do it. No good comes from delaying. Hmm
2: about finding entirely new parents through an online service yes
1: that's that's also an option apparently but ultimately we'll have to see folks we don't agree with again too and we're going to have to find a way to get along with them out in the big world
3: (sighs) we have one new match for sally skalski redbrook connecticut displaying your parental matches for you now
1: let me know how it goes
3: wait you're leaving
1: i have to prep for my interview
3: This isn't crazy, is it? Am I being crazy?
1: Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's totally crazy, but if it's something you want to do...
3: Please meet Sheila Martin of New Rochelle, New York. Hello? Is this on, Sally? Matt! Matt, it's Sheila from the video! Please opt into the conversation when you are ready.
1: I'll see you in a bit.
3: Sally, where are you located, sweetie? Do you need a sweater? What size
4: are you? I think my daughter might have left a cardigan here when she visited last summer. Not that she'd pick up the phone and confirm that that's what happened. Oh, uh uh-oh.
1: You know, folks, as we move on to our next segment here, I'm thinking about how there are some things you can't choose, like your parents, (laughs) and how there are some things you can like the kind of environment you wanna work in and the values within that workplace. The truth is, however, that you're just as likely to end up working alongside someone you don't agree with either. But just because you may not see eye to eye with your colleagues or you may have had vastly different life experiences, that doesn't mean you can't do meaningful work together, does it? To try and answer this question, I did what we always do in this part of the show. I reached out to an expert. Welcome, everybody, to uh, a very exciting interview. I have the great pleasure, privilege, and honor of sitting down today to speak with Kit Krugman, the former Global Executive Director of Women Innovation and the current Head of Organization and Culture Design at Co-Collective. Kit, thank you so much for being here with us.
0: It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Um, there's a lot that I want to get into here, uh, particularly since the, the last time I spoke with you in preparation for this discussion uh, we, we we opened up sort of a, a really interesting can of worms around this idea of uh, it started with demystifying culture and what kind of culture organizations want to build and how you have one of the coolest jobs in the world where you actually get to help said organizations build new cultures. So uh, before we get into all that excitement, firstly, what does it mean to demystify culture?
0: Yeah, the reason that I say demystify culture is because I think there's a lot of um, intangibility around the way that people talk about culture. So when we think about culture, we say it's it's the thing you can't really quantify, the thing you can't really measure. It's the softness between the hard things that make up business, and and frankly, I just I think that that's a misrepresentation of what culture is. Right, culture is a set of systems and behaviors that are programmed by people operating and behaving in the organization and so it's been my personal mission to have really concrete conversations about what culture is how you build it with real intentionality and then how you actually follow through
1: instead of trying to get like you know uh, instead of instead of trying to figure out square peg problems and trying to force fit, you have fought against this idea that right now we're building from communities of sameness or communities, I guess I should say, built around sameness. What is a community built around sameness, right? And how do we build communities of, I guess, difference?
0: Yeah, so you know we're, we're programmed in some ways and we program each other to look for sameness.
1: You mean we, the human species, you mean all of us?
0: Yeah, everyone is kind of looking for sameness, um, whether or not they know it. And if, if you, for instance, let's take a concrete example. If you and I discovered that we were both from the same hometown, we would consider that a connection. We would feel kind of illuminated by it. Um, it would build a bridge between us. And and what would happen is we would feel safer whether or not we acknowledged that. We So we have this shared point of reference, perhaps even shared relationships. And, and what that does is that accelerates trust between us, right? Right. And, and I think that there's, you know, historically a lot of the arguments for diversity were founded in the idea of, of sameness, actually. So the, the concept of colorblindness originally in the 1950s and, and 1960s um, was kind of about looking for sameness. We're all one human race, for instance. We, we must have shared experiences. Um, so, but that argument is really, you know, was at, at first really useful for the movement, but also short sighted. Um, because it's reductionist. Essentially, the experience of a woman of color is not the same as a white woman's experience. It overlooks her unique identity and the system that she exists in. So it's dangerous because it underlies presumptions that she's had the same experience that I've had and therefore the same opportunities, which overlooks inequity present in the system.
1: So what does radical inclusion mean to you? And how does this idea encourage collaboration?
0: Yeah, so it's really more of a provocation and a challenge to say, like, what does it mean to be, as an organization, radically inclusive? Um, yeah. I've worked with a, a few organizations in helping kind of revisit their values and in including the voice of employees in, in crafting those values, not only what they are, but what they mean. So, you know, of course, there are foundational values that, that are built into the DNA of the organization. But those values can change, right? Yep, right. Um, and so, and, and,
1: and probably should. I mean, time is real, and <laughs> and trends shift. And like the same way that these companies have to pivot and figure themselves out in, in reaction to the market, right? In reaction to customer demand, um, it, it would sort of it would make sense that employee demand and employee culture go along with it. But it's rare that it actually happens.
0: Yeah, I think that when I think about the idea of radical inclusion, I think about as your stakeholders change. As the, the organization, your, your employees are your stakeholders as well, right? And their, their work, the work that they do is ultimately what translates to your customers and to your product and to what you put out into right. the world and your outcomes. And so as that group of your community changes, you need to re-stakeholder and figure out how your values then represent their values as well, not just
1: yours. Um, we are recording this in the... Uh in the sort of decades long year that is 2020. <laughs> uh, uh, w- this summer we've seen in response to um, a very long overdue reckoning with social and racial justice. A number for the last several years we've seen it with regard to gender equity in the workplace. Like We've seen a lot of the largest um, private and public institutions alike making statements that, that feel relevant to uh, changing demography to changing business behaviors, changing business attitudes. Do you think this is like a real moment of transformation? Do you think that when uh, CEOs of some of the biggest banks and some of the biggest software companies in the world are uh, tweeting and posting on LinkedIn and hashtagging Black Lives Matter, that this will uh, affect their practices, their hiring practices, their internal cultural practices? Or do you think this is another moment to sort of get on the right side of history publicly and then perhaps retreat, or in this case, regress to a less fair, less radically inclusive business environment?
0: Such a great question and one that I think about all the time. I mean, of course, I'm an optimist. I'm hopeful. I really, I think what has been refreshing about the past couple of months and the dialogue and the discussion at all levels around racial justice and inclusion, has given me a ton of hope that Mm -hmm. practices will actually change, that they'll actually be organizational follow-through, leadership follow-through, more accountability, more acceptability for that accountability. Um, That said, I think there will be some leaders who set the way and some who fall back to business as usual,
1: as always. So much of what's happened in the modern, specifically the Trump era, is it's all kind of... um, meshed together, you know, politics has almost become like a sort of, and at least in the U.S., it's almost like a religion and that it's a way to group yourself and identify, right? It's going back to what we said at the beginning of the conversation, it's our uh, having grown up in the same hometown thing. Mm. And I'm wondering if by going into the workplace where you sort of are, at least in theory, participating in a mission bigger than yourself, right? right? You have a job to do, if that's not the first best place to build a culture of radical inclusivity right? And to overcome your differences, uh, or, or I guess rather embrace your differences. You don't have to overcome them. You overcome your sameness and embrace your differences. Is that one of the benefits of doing this kind of work in the workplace as opposed to, say, uh, between two folks running for a Senate seat, you know?
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's blurred. I mean, I think, I think organizations have had to grapple. Some of the organizations that I've worked with have had to grapple with complicated questions like, our employees are asking to take work time to be at the protests. What is our perspective on that? And if we support that, um, you know, a lot of organizations are um, because it does align with their values. But in the case that there are employees where it doesn't align with their values for some reason, um, what does that mean if we endorse certain behavior or use work time for um, certain activities? So I think there have been complicated questions. But at the end of the day, an organization has the authority to set their own values and yeah. and again i advocate for in- inclusion of the community that you represent in cre- the creation of those values but assuming that those things are all aligned then you actually don't have a challenge of making decisions because your decisions come out of we have defined what's important to us what matters to us and we will follow through and therefore if if supporting the, the movement for um, against racial injustice is important to us as an organization, then absolutely our employees will be spending their time like out protesting, right? So it becomes yep. a lot clearer.
1: We'd all like to think that we can make decisions based on hope and not fear. That we are actually capable of practicing the sort of radical inclusivity Kit is describing here. But speaking from here in the United States, where, for example, who you vote for has come to define so much about you, I wonder how many of us are actually interested in building communities that embrace dissimilarity. And for those of us who like to think that they would practice radical inclusivity at every opportunity, and I count myself among them, well, how can we be sure? Are we self-aware enough to acknowledge our biases and open ourselves up to those we might not agree with? 2020 has shown that that is such, such hard work. But perhaps tomorrow, it won't be as hard. In just a few years' time, where do we want to be? Who do we want to be? In 2025, let's say, will we continue to build communities around sameness? Or will we work to become radically inclusive? What will life be like five years from now?
2: Oh, no, I'm never going into an office again. I've turned my home into my permanent office. Once the pandemic hit, my days of commuting were fully over. Yes, I know it's 2025. Why do you keep reminding me that? One minute. Someone's at the door. No, that's a sound machine playing office sounds. Just me in here. I also have playlists full of sounds of the forest and ocean sounds. Oh, sorry, can I call you back? Come in.
3: Well, hello there, boss. Mom? Hi, what are you... Now sit down. Your father and I were in the area, figured I'd stop by and pay a visit... You know your father and my feelings about seeing your face ever since the great Fauci Wuhan hoax of 2020. Wait, let's walk that back. You were in the area? Of course. All all, all you hipsters are finally moving to the suburbs, having families of your own. Figured I'd come and gloat about how country living was better than city dwelling all alone. Yeah, that's definitely
2: the lesson you should take away from overpriced urban real estate and a generation trapped by debt. Because who wouldn't want to trade Brooklyn for the wilds of western Connecticut, am I right? What's that? It's my Sounds of the Forest playlist. I have different stuff sort of playing all day. Mom, you really should have called
3: ahead. I don't- Oh, Sally, darling, just because you spend your life cooped up in a little condo all day long, that doesn't mean the rest of us need to stay put. Why do you keep giving me a hard time about this? Most people work
2: from home now, so what? I built a successful HR company by writing the most popular questionnaire
3: in the country. Businesses use it to vet new employees- But is that really what you want to do with the rest of your life? Ask people questions from your living
2: room? Mom, when Toximask, the face mask manufacturer, merged with Future, the facial recognition software which merged with Lulinity, the pharmaceutical company, they decided to find a new CEO. Chemicals were leaking from their test site into the Long Island Sound. Oh
3: yes, we were all very proud of you, honey.
2: Well, someone had to take on toxic masculinity It was leaking everywhere. It was hurting all of us. So you found them a new CEO, then what? We found them a new CEO because they had over 500 candidates fill out my questionnaire. It's about culture fit. I help organizations build a sort of inclusive environment.
3: Inclusive, there's that word again. Used by fedora wearing vegans on coast and coast. What, you have a problem with the fact that I use the word inclusive? I have a problem with the fact that you don't include me.
2: Oh, Wait a minute, when you came in you called me boss.
3: Oh, Sally, it was a, a joke. Don't, don't read anything into it. Mom, are you? You've always looked like Bruce Springsteen. Looking for a job? What? I, I I do still have a lot to offer. I know. And your father and I can only spend so much time driving around to state capitals protesting science. Especially now that science is outlawed in all but ten states. <laughs> it's 2025. Mom, I'm touched. Seriously.
2: I'm sure we can find you something. You know, you make jokes about all of us so-called hipsters having to adapt to the next phase of our lives. Maybe country bumpkin... mm. People from the rural areas, such as yourself, also could have the opportunity to adapt to change.
3: Did you just try to call me a country bumpkin? Yeah, I was, ho- I was hoping you didn't catch that. Well, despite that, you're probably right, Sally. And, well, I'd be honored to have your help. Uh, you've always been so independent and ambitious. Uh, heck, your whole generation's that way. L- like your old roommate Bowens in his airline. Have you
4: ever wanted to sit in a plane so janky it just feels like a bus that's about to fall out the sky? Then come fly Bowen's Air. Bowen's Air,
3: why are they letting me do this? I I just don't want to get in your way, darling.
2: You won't be in my way. I mean, sometimes you can come on strong and it feels like I'm drowning a little. Sorry, that's ocean sounds. I'll change it back. I'm happy you're telling me all this, Mom. I don't want you to get bored or feel like you don't have a purpose, so let's get to work, shall we? Oh, all right. Okay, (laughs) the way this works is both the prospective employee and the prospective employer have to answer the same questionnaire.
3: So you'll pretend I'm your boss, even if I knew my boss back when she wasn't wearing nothing but a whittle bitty diaper. That's not, that's like a textbook HR
2: violation. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's just start. Question number one. How important is it that you find meaning in your work? I'll write my answer down too. Great. So I said, very important. Work is where and how I spend the majority of my day. As a result, I need to do work that also reflects my
3: values. What did you write? I had, you can't define me, damn it. (laughs) You, sorry, who are you saying this to? My prospective employer. I find meaning in your work. Come on, it's just a way to earn a dollar. Nobody is really the boss of me. I mean, this is America. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's keep moving. Question number two. How important is it that you feel challenged by your work? Oh, that's easy. I don't even need to write it down. Not at all. <laughs> oh, Sally, darling. Everybody's working for the weekend. Don't you hit progressive millennials know that song? It was in the Constitution. It was fully not in the Constitution, Mom. You know, I'm pretty sure, okay? You don't want to be challenged at all in your work? No, I want to go in, get her done, head out on the town. That's a job. That's not.
2: It's going to be hard to join a team when your skin is barely in the game, Mom. The whole idea around building communities that are radically inclusive is that. We find what we have in common. We
3: appreciate our differences. I appreciate your differences. You don't appreciate mine. We're excited by the prospect of not taking your job seriously. And there are plenty of folks who feel just like I do, sweetheart. Are you saying that you won't include
2: colleagues like us? Let's just... Let's maybe write our answers for the next few questions in silence, okay? Way ahead of you. Alright. Oh good, here come the culture questions. Question three... What is the thing you value most
3: in a prospective employer? I will put down authenticity. Really? That's what I had. Okay,
2: question four. You're late for a presentation and your car's broken down. What do you do? I had ride my bike and make sure I get there on time, no matter matter what.
3: What what? am I a damn Rockefeller? (laughs) Wow, mom.
2: (laughs) We're two in a row, same answer.
3: well, oh, seems like the apple doesn't fall as far from the tree as you thought, now does it? And riding a bike also helps reduce your carbon footprint. Oh, uh, uh, one step at a time. Fair enough.
2: Question five. The office clock is broken and your colleague is worried that he's missing
3: the last train at home. What do you do? Oh. Lend him my Casio watch, then take him to a microbrewery to ease his pain until the next train comes along. Bingo. Question six. On your Monday morning conference call, it's your turn to share what you did over the
2: weekend. What do you say?
3: Oh, hello. You say I tried my hand at
2: beekeeping, tended to my garden, and complained over an overpriced lunch about how much better
3: things used to be exactly. Well, yeah. We have quite a few things in common, Sally. Maybe I'm something of a hipster after all. And maybe I'm a little bumpkin. Mm, that's... Nope, sorry. I'll let that
2: one go. Okay. Okay. For the last question in this section, it's a company party. You're about to introduce your partner to your boss. And at that very moment, they've announced they're all out of food and drink. What do you do?
3: Tell, Tell everyone, everyone not, not to worry because, because I, brought I brought two, two cases, cases of PBR with, with me. And this fellow on, on my arm can run out and pick, and pick us up, up, some up some more. more. Also, also, boss, boss in the I ain't he cute, cute with his with big beard, and, beard and, flannel? and flannel? Yes. Hot damn. Like uptown funk, I'm going to give it to you, Sally. That's a bad joke, Mom. You sure do write a fun questionnaire. Well, gotta say, it's only as
2: fun as the person filling it out, and you brought a lot of energy, Mom. I think any company would be lucky to have
3: you. Oh, thank you, darling.
2: And, you know, you're right. If we're going to build a radically inclusive workforce, if we're going to build communities around difference, we're going to need to bring people together for real. All sorts of folks with all kinds of views. We have a lot more in common than we don't.
3: Mmm. So, do you have any ideas about where I might be able to work? Well, thank
4: you for considering Bowen's heir. Muriel, have you ever flown a plane before? Nope. Great! We'd like to hire you as a pilot for all flights traveling between the 40 United States Without Science of America!
1: Well, maybe the future will look a little something like that, and maybe it won't. I should admit I am an optimist, Uh, And so I do think that we will build the future that Kit described earlier, one where the workforce is designed around radical inclusivity, and we will get there because of leaders like Kit, because we're going to put in the work. We will. I know it. Tomorrow has yet to be decided. Anything is still possible. Kit Krugman, it's time to ask the question I ask every guest at the end of each episode. What are two tips you have for tomorrow?
0: I think this is an amazing opportunity right now to learn um, and to take a hard look around yourself at the community you've built for yourself, whether that's your organization, your friends, your um, communities that you participate. And and I think asking ourselves on the individual level, who have we excluded? Um, whether that's maybe unintentional. And I think there's an opportunity to not only commit to learning, but also to cultivating relationships with people who are different than the people you're usually drawn to for whatever reason. And I think that that's, that is really important. That's number one. Number two is just about about fear. I think that it's obviously easy from a position of privilege to talk about not having fear. But I think I think trying to foster curiosity in yourself about difference as opposed to fear of difference is is really important especially if you do have that privilege right so if you have power if you have privilege that comes with a responsibility you need to think about how you use it and use it to learn to be curious instead of being afraid
1: well that's the end of our time for now folks this has been the season premiere of live from tomorrow season 2 I'd like to thank Kit Krugman for joining me for today's Thoughtful Conversation, our incredible cast, Kelly Quinn, and Veal, Matthew Walters-Bowens, and Mark Levy, our brilliant composer, Ben Easton, and all of you for listening. I am Matt Hooper, writer and host, and I will see you all tomorrow. Or, I mean, next week. Sorry, I, I got carried away. Uh, new episodes every week. I'll see you next Thursday.